You're listening to the award-winning podcast, The Ambitious Entrepreneur Show, featuring business leaders to help you navigate a constantly changing marketplace. Want to become known as a trusted authority while building a thriving business you love? The Ambitious Entrepreneur Show will show you how. Here's your host, Anne-Marie Cross. And welcome to another episode of the Ambitious Entrepreneur Show brought to you by the Influence Alliance, the business building community for coaches and consultants who want to build a sustainable and scalable business they love. And I'm your host, Anne-Marie Cross. Now, my guest today says being valued by a few for who you are is worth far more than being recognized by thousands for your accomplishment. And joining me on today's show is Dr. Paul White. Now, Paul, he is a psychologist. He's a an author, an international speaker, leadership trainer, and a researcher. And he helps make work relationships work, teaching leaders and employees how to communicate authentic appreciation and how to, to survive toxic workplaces. Now, on today's show, Paul's going to share the difference between recognition and appreciation and the common misunderstandings that leaders have about appreciation. He's also going to share how to begin communicating appreciation in the ways your team members truly want, as well as what remote employees need and the practical steps to encourage and to support them. So welcome to the show. Thank you, Anne-Marie. I'm glad to be with you. So tell us a little bit about appreciation. What does that mean to you? Well, you know, appreciation uh, means different things in different settings. Like, So you can have uh, assets that appreciate and so forth. But in, in this context, we're talking about uh, communicating how you value someone uh, in, in this uh, context with people that you work with. The problem is when people hear the word appreciation, often they automatically sort of go to employee recognition because so many people know about that because about 95% of all companies have some form of employee recognition. And not only that, it goes from recognition to generally words or maybe you know going up in front of a large group, which a lot of people don't like. Uh, we actually found about 40% of employees don't want to go up front of a large group. So um, we try to help uh, differentiate between employee recognition and what we would call authentic appreciation, because we're not just about helping people sort of go through the motions, but really to be able to communicate in a genuine way. Yeah. Now, tell us a little bit of a background, because uh, one of the things that really stood out to me when your team approached me and said, look, we would love for you to get Paul on the show, was um, was Gary Chapman's The Five Love Languages. And it's a book that I know is been published and, and many people have that book on, on their bookshelves. But very much the principles that you're sharing and will be sharing today kind of really found on that too. So tell us a little bit of a, that, that background to so people that may not have heard about that, the five love languages can get a bit of context. Yeah. So the five love languages, which uh, Dr. Chapman wrote, it sold 18 million copies. It's in 50 languages. It's, it's a great book. And uh, I was working with family owned businesses in consulting and dealing with the relational issues of working together and passing across generations and came a situation where the father and son just were not connecting. The father thought the son was doing fine. The son said, this is never going to work. I can never hear anything, uh, you know, that I'm pleasing my dad. And it seemed like they were missing each other. So I actually pursued Dr. Chapman for over a year and finally had the opportunity to meet with him, pitch the idea. And so started doing research and developed an online assessment, which we've now developed and had over 275,000 people take 
and then wrote the book together, Applying the Five Love Languages to Work, called The Five Languages of Appreciation in the Workplace. And been fortunate that that's done well. Uh, it's sold uh, 500,000 copies. And so we're pleased with that and continue to uh, sort of spread the news about how to communicate authentic appreciation to people across various workplaces. I would imagine that once someone takes that assessment, they understand their own appreciation language, if, if, they, if that is that the term that you use, yeah. the appreciation mm -hmm. language, yeah. as well as the appreciation language of those, even in your family members, but also your team, you really can become far more impactful in their lives because often, and, and ask answer me this, do you find that when people have a, a specific appreciation language, we can often assume that others are the same, therefore we lead with that? Is, is that something that you've seen happen? Yeah, actually what we do is we uh, encourage teams uh, to take uh, the assessment so that they each identify their primary way of being shown appreciation, their secondary one, because that can be helpful. The one that doesn't matter to them, because that's sort of your blind spot. It's the one you don't think about. And then be able to develop uh, a group chart uh, to learn about that, as well as the specific actions uh, within the language, because those vary as well. So really, it's it's helpful. It's interesting to find out your own, but what really is practically helpful is to find out how somebody else wants to be shown appreciation, because we don't want people to waste their time and energy doing things that they think is helpful and it doesn't really hit the mark and it just sort of falls by the wayside. Yeah, absolutely. So you mentioned that uh, often leaders, they have a misunderstanding when it does come to recognition appreciation. You've kind of hinted to that, but what are some of the misunderstandings that you can share today so that we can be more mindful about that in our workplaces? Sure. So first of all is that appreciation and recognition are different. And the way that we frame that is recognition really is about performance, that we recognize and even reward people who meet their goals and uh, do, you know, above and beyond. Whereas appreciation, we really feel is about the person, that it's not just about performance because, you know, uh, we are, our employees are people and we have lives uh, and we have personality. And not all of that is directly related to performance. And one of the things we know is that uh, even high performers sort of resent just being recognized for performance all the time because we have the, sort of the innate sense that, you know, I have some value and, you know, I may not be the star, but I still bring things to the group and the team. I mean, it could be as much as uh, a, a nice smile and a funny laugh and a good sense of humor that just sort of lightens things up. It doesn't increase performance, but it makes for uh, a, you know, better environment. And so uh, that's one misconception. And the other is that it's all the leader's responsibility that supervisors and managers are supposed to do this. While that's helpful, we found that people want to hear uh, that they're valued and appreciated by their peers as well. And so our training really focuses on both training the leader as well as uh, the team members so that uh, it spreads, you know, sort of the responsibility and the opportunity. It's not according to the organizational chart because you can appreciate somebody from a different department, maybe IT, they helped you solve a problem or somebody from facilities helped fix your chair or whatever. So it really makes it a person to person kind of thing rather than 
uh, an organizational activity. Yes. I know uh, some leaders, what they'll often do is they'll hear something, they'll think, yeah, it sounds really good, but it's not until perhaps um, differences that they can appreciate well, when this was applied within the workplace that they think, well, maybe this is something that we need to do. So maybe reflect, were there some examples that you can share now that once teams were able to appreciate the recognition and the appreciation language of people in their team, what were some of the differences that they started to notice as that team? Well, first of all, an, another misconception that relates to that is that uh, most leaders, they hear appreciation and say, yeah, it's, it'd be good. And yeah, we want people to be happy. The goal isn't for people to be happy. Yeah, that's nice if that happens. But really, we use appreciation to help make the organization function better. It's sort of like oil in a machine that helps things move less friction, less sparking and conflict. And we have lots of research in our book. We have over 50 research citations on uh, the benefits as far as lower staff turnover, uh, greater profitability and productivity, uh, increased customer satisfaction, uh, less conflict managers themselves like their work better when their team members feel valued. So there's a lot of benefits that way. And one group that I was just uh, communicating with that they've used our materials for a few years now is actually a mining company in the, uh, the mountainous areas of the U.S. And, you know, these are sort of tough guy kind of uh, workers. I mean, they're cement uh, truck drivers and they are miners and so forth. And we thought, you know, this is not sort of our you know, star group that we would pick, but they love it. Um, and they have incorporated into where we have symbols for each language and they like to get uh, a sticker to put on their hard hat uh, of their language. And they've actually incorporated it into their onboarding process. And uh, they just feel like it's really improved the morale and the positive nature of the uh, the environment for them. And, and it, it's, it's really a joy to me to hear that kind of report, especially from that kind of work setting. Yeah, amazing. And it's interesting. It so is. Uh, I know before we went live, I was saying that uh, my daughter loves the five love languages and she will often, what's your love language? But isn't that interesting that here we have these minors that actually have what appreciation language they are and they have that on their helmet. So, I mean, anyone can really apply this within their workplace. Now, we're going to talk about how to begin communicating appreciation in ways that your team members truly want. Is it, I'd love to find out what are the appreciation languages? Are there five? Do they model across what Gary Chapman has said in the love languages? Yeah, they're the same in name as uh, the love languages, but they differ in how they're applied, right? So they're words of affirmation, yes. quality time, acts of service, tangible gifts, and even physical touch. And that's always a fun one to talk about uh, and lots of interest around it. But uh, that different people have different ways that they value of being shown appreciation. And we found with over 250,000 people having taken it, we've got some good data. What's interesting is that most people think about words first, you know, say thanks to people or give them a compliment. And that is the largest group, about 46% of employees like words, but that's less than half of all employees. So if you just use words, you're missing half of your employees. And so quality time can either be, uh, individual time with their supervisor or manager, but that's less and less true with younger employees. They really like to hang out with their colleagues and go do things with uh, their peers. And so it's not so much just, you know, uh, to a direct report kind of relationship. And that's 
26% of the population. Access service is 22%, so about one of out of every five employees. And that's not rescuing a low-performing colleague, but it's more what can you do to help a little bit make their day or week go better? And the best context of that is when they're on a you know time-limited project and they're p- pressing to get it done. What's something that you can do to help out, whether that's sort of run interference for them, don't you know, take their calls or whatever, or maybe do a little bit of their daily work so they can focus on the project. And uh, that can really make a difference because for some people, words are cheap or that's their perception, right? And so it has to be in action. Yeah. Tangible gifts are not, you know, bonuses, raises, that's sort of in the employee-employer contract, but it's more small things that show that you're getting to know your colleagues at a personal level. It could be their favorite kind of coffee, uh, a snack that they really enjoy, maybe a magazine about uh, their favorite sports team, or shooting them even uh, an email and a link to uh, an article of something of interest to them. Uh, it's just about what do they like. Now, what's interesting is while employee recognition programs focus a lot on tangible rewards, only 6% of the workforce say that tangible gifts is their primary way of being shown appreciation. Because I've had people say, you know, if I don't hear anything, if nobody checks in and sees how I'm doing, I never get any help when I need just a little bit and you give me a gift, it feels pretty superficial. Yeah. So, and then the last one is physical touch, which is, you know, a lot of people get weirded about that. Uh, you know, it's not the weird hug that somebody gives you or whatever. I, uh, I don't know the Australian culture very well, but, you know, we deal with Europeans and, and Latin Americans and, and some of them are sort of huggy, but it's really a spontaneous celebration. It's a high five, you know, when you complete a project. It's a fist bump when you uh, solve a problem, maybe a congratulatory handshake when you, you know, make a sale and that kind of stuff. Uh, yeah. So, and it's less than 1%, but it's there because we really didn't want to advocate a touchless society because appropriate touch can be very meaningful in the right relationship. And also it happens. And so let's just explain what it is and uh, and let people sort of identify whether they like it or not. Yeah, and I, I would imagine that that last one, the physical touch, there would have to be some real, you know, key parameters around that. I know here in Australia, there's been, uh, you know, in in our news, inappropriate things. Let's just say that happening sure. in the workplace, and sometimes you think, man, do we really need to tell people that is inappropriate? <laughs> exactly. Uh, I mean, that would have been quite difficult if you think that, and we're going to talk about this, you know, what remote employees need now, because for some, spending quality time, words Mm -hmm. of affirmation, touch, you know, that high five, being able to kind of be in that that environment is all really stripped away. So to imagine Mm -hmm. that has impacted many workplaces around the world. Absolutely. And in fact, we did research both at the beginning of the COVID pandemic here in the U.S., which was around uh, in March and then in the fall, and then just completed some uh, to look at what differences are going on between remote employees and on-site employees and also pre-COVID and during COVID. And what's interesting is that uh, it really sort of surprised me. One is that regardless of your setting and pre or during COVID, people's languages pretty much stay the same. That words is still the most frequently chosen, although it comes down a little bit and quality time does go up, which makes sense because people were more isolated. Access service was about the same. Tangible gifts was still low. 
But the, the difference that we found was that uh, how do you communicate that? What are the actions? And so we actually created a version of our inventory. It's called the Motivating by Appreciation Inventory um, that uh, is for m- remote relationships because the actions differ. So how do you spend quality time with somebody who's offsite, you know, or in another state or country? Um, it has to do with um, being able to connect with them and not just on, you know, Zoom meetings about, you know, business because those go okay. I mean, you know, they're, they're, <laughs> they have their own set of problems. But what we've missed is that that personal interaction around, hey, what'd you do this weekend? Or did you see the game last night? Or how are your kids doing? Because the, the Zoom calls are all very structured. And so people really want to connect at a personal level about what's going on in their life and, and what's going on in your life. And we have to sort of either be proactive and initiate that because you don't just see them in the break room, right? Or you don't walk by their office. And if you're not proactive, it doesn't happen. And so we encourage people to send somebody a a note, an email, chat, whatever, and say, hey, I'd like to catch up with you for a few minutes. When would be a good time? Because often we're reluctant because we don't want to interrupt the other person. And then you set that up and and then you just chat for five or 10 minutes. And that's really key that people are missing that in the remote kind of work relationships. Yes, yes. It's interesting you should say that, Paul. I went to the first networking face-to-face event uh, last week and it was some of the younger women that had come from a um, solicitor or lawyer uh, firm, legal firm, were saying that one of the things that their team did, the leadership did, was I think once a week on a Friday afternoon, 4 30 4 o'clock whatever it was they would all get together hang out on zoom and have a glass of wine and Mm -hmm. and bring these along and one of the young women there said when they announced it they thought just ridiculous she said well no I'll go but she said it was the best thing because it was just people chatting you know just being they they kept it small so there wasn't a lot of noise but just the ability able to wind down, chat, how are you going, you know, and, and personal things were so needed. And it wasn't till that happened that they realized how much they'd missed that. It's interesting. Right. That, that's a great example because uh, another principle about that is that, uh, again, connecting people at the peer and colleague level is not just the supervisor with their person that reports to them, but helping your team stay connected because that's where a lot of the support is. They know each other. They've shared, they've worked together. And so setting up those kinds of group uh, virtual events and, uh, you know, other examples are, you know, people that, you know, have sort of a a coffee time. They've had game nights, you know, all different kinds of things to, to facilitate those kinds of just personal interactions. Yeah, I think it's even more so important, isn't it? Because the whole um, aspect of what's been happening, the uncertainty there, if we can create some aspects of this, whatever we want to call it, cheese and bicky, whatever, um, it allows people to unwind and even have the ability to speak. I think creating those spaces where maybe as a leader, you've got to create an environment where you are able to, you you may not do within the workplace normally, but- team your team are individuals too and their their life has probably been impacted so i think as businesses leaders of businesses we need to be mindful of that too moving forward i mean there's a couple of questions that i do want to ask if someone's listening and watching today and they are a leader and they'd love to implement that what is the best way for them to 
bring that forward with the team so that everyone is empowered to want to do this and then vice versa too. What if someone is working on a team and thinks, I would love to share this with my leaders in the hope that they will also um, get this for our team? Can you share some insights in that? Yeah, so, uh, you know, we have a website. It's appreciationatwork.com. It's the word at, but appreciationatwork.com. That is sort of our mothership, and it has free videos. It has articles, podcasts. This will be on there eventually. Um, And uh, obviously the book, uh, The Five Languages of Appreciation, it's an easy read, and you can just sort of read it in different sections that you want. We've also developed training resources, uh, both for remote virtual training as well as on-site training that maybe an HR person or uh, just a leader wants to take their team through it. And so, um, and then the assessment is key because if you don't sort of find out what's individually important to the person, it's difficult. But I would say the way you start is start with yourself, right? I mean, you sort of get introduced to it, find out about the languages. With the book comes a free code to take the inventory. Um, and so you can sort of see that, how that goes. And then we sell group uh, codes uh, for groups and teams. Um, and then, you know, uh, you can lots of times do sort of a, a, a soft intro and say, hey, you know, I've been reading this book and you sort of have it on your desk or whatever. And just say that, you know, I realize that it's important for us to support one another, encourage one another, show appreciation and do it in a way that's meaningful. Um, And um, usually people are quite interested in it. I mean, there are some people are like, yeah, but when when you hear that it's about being authentic, about being individual versus sort of just the group application that everybody does the same thing, uh, people find that's interested. And we've actually I mean, we're working with. Pepsi Global right now. We've worked with DirecTV. We've worked with Caterpillar, ExxonMobil, uh, Apple, all the big companies. And we, But we start small. And we work with a lot of very small companies. That's how we started. And just give uh, the resources to start where you are. And so it's starting with you, maybe introducing it to one or two people, and then start to grow it sort of virtually and, and virally that way. Mm. I think this is, um, as you mentioned, with the miners being able to have that awareness. I think awareness of ourselves, awareness of team members around us, our peers, it's so vital and it enables us to be even more influential and impactful and and, and appreciate them in, in a way in which for them, it, 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 it's like their love language. They really feel appreciated because, and I, I love it. I'm just going to go through all of the, the different ones again. I've written down the percentages just for people who are just catching the live stream. And, of course, go to the website. Um, that is there, appreciationatwork.com. But you were talking about words of affirmation. That was 46%. And um, quality time, 26%, uh, acts of service, 22%, and then gifts, um, I think you were saying 6% was gifts. Correct. Correct. Yep. And uh, physical touch, less than 1%. And we talked about these are obviously the the primary, but you said the secondary too. So just talk a little bit. We've got a little bit of time to, um, to, to spend. When we're thinking about the secondary, so obviously someone is a secondary, one of those uh, that I've just read out. How important is the secondary? 
Well, it's, I would say it's uh, sort of secondarily important in the sense that what the secondary languages do is really they help emphasize. So if, if it's words and time, so you spend some time together and then you communicate by words or uh, time and a gift. So it sort of really hits the mark. In some ways, the more important one is the least valued language that we identify, because that's the one that you don't think about because it's not important to you. So it's yeah. like, why would I want to spend time? <laughs> or, you know, somebody stops by, spend time with you, and you're like, yeah, fine, I got work to do. Catch you later. But for them, that's an important. And so it's especially for leaders, it helps us identify sort of our blind spot because you're going to have team members that have that language and you have to learn how to communicate in that way. And so we, we talk about that if you're going to truly learn how to lead people, you have to learn how to lead people who are different than you are. Otherwise, you have a bunch of little mini yous following you around and you may be great and wonderful and talented, but teams need different kinds of people. And that's true in the world of appreciation as well. Yeah. Now, it's interesting that you said um, earlier on you you get the team to do the assessment and then I would imagine, and speak a little bit about this because obviously at, you've got individual members of the team, so their individual, um, you, you know, appreciation language is mm -hmm. really important. Do you find that they're also there's something about the team and it's itself that there there's also something there that's built. Like if you've, and I'm not even sure if I'm asking the question correctly, um, but you know, you might find that the team in, in and of itself together united kind of has a, 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 a lean towards an appreciation. Right. Does that occur? It, it does occur. But what's interesting is that it's pretty random. I mean, across you would might think like, let's say social workers that they would like to hang out together, you know, it, it's no different than some, you know, a group of, you know, accountants or whatever that the, the, it's pretty unique to the group. W one of the themes though, is that often maybe the culture of the organization uh, biases towards the languages that they don't like. Like I just did uh, one for a global team that gifts just really wasn't what they wanted. Well, partly they're a virtual team. It's a little bit more difficult to do gifts that way, but also, um, it's, and it's not that people don't want gifts. It's just that they want the other things more, right? It's a relative rating. And so it's not like they're going to give something back. But, you know, if you don't, you know, check in with them and see how they're doing, the gift has uh, lesser value. And so I think those are the themes that we see more often. Yeah, interesting. You know, from the love languages, the gifts for me is the absolute lowest. In fact, I scored nothing. But I tell you what, if someone bought me anything that was Apple, oh, my goodness, I would be yeah. over there. So it's interesting, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. yeah, you've got to kind of know around this. Look, this has been such a fascinating uh, conversation. Thank you so much for sharing. And, of course, we've just scratched the surface. So please go to the website. We'll mention it again, appreciationatwork.com. There are uh, so many resources there, videos. Um, we, you can catch them on the replay again. Once we finish this live, you'll be able to go back. But there's videos there. You can take the assessment there. You can find the book, get the book. For, as um, Paul was saying, if you would love to introduce this to your team and you're not sure how to do that, take the assessment yourself first. Get the book, have it there, um, you know, and, and I, I, I'm sure once you start talking about that and creating that curiosity and what's possible, you know, you, you mentioned some incredible benefits of uh, what 
was occurring in the workplace once people understood uh, their team members' appreciation language. So once again, uh, thank you so very much for coming on the show. My and, pleasure. And how about connecting with you, um, Paul? All of the details there, appreciation at work.com, that's the best yeah, way. But- you know what I, I do is if people want to write me and I'll send them a, um, a sample report so they can see that um, ahead of time and just write me at yesdrpaul at gmail.com. So yes, Paul at gmail. And I'll send uh, both a sample report as well as some other information about our training resources and um, and they can ask questions or make comments as well. So I'd, uh, I'd be glad to get that. Yeah, fantastic. Well, thanks once again for coming on the show. My pleasure. Thanks. So every episode, I'm going to bring one other tip around building your influence. And one of the things I wanted to share today was around two very simple words, which may seem quite insignificant. So these two words are so that, and it was something that was explained to me by one of my mentors many years ago. So how come these words are so powerful and how can we use them? Well, how you use them is being able to turn what we might call a very boring feature-focused statement into an outcome-focused statement and one that compels your ideal client to want to know more about you and what you can offer them. So let's give it a try with a career coach, say. This is my old background when I was in career coaching. So I might say something like, well, I help job seekers write an achievement-focused resume. So what? But if I add so that that resume can stand out from the hundreds of other applications, I bet you if you are looking to stand out amongst the hundreds of other applications, that's something that you would certainly pique your interest. Maybe you might say something like, well, the resumes that I write for clients stands out from hundreds of applications so that they get invited to the elusive interview for their dream jobs. Now, doesn't that sound far more compelling? And it's tied very much to what we know that job seekers and people looking to secure that elusive interview would certainly be looking for. So give that a go. Say a statement and then add so that and add your outcome focus statement. Let me know how you go. And as always, have an incredible week. Bye for now. This podcast is brought to you by theinfluencealliance.com. Want to influence real change with your message by becoming known as a trusted authority in your industry? while building a sustainable and scalable business you love? Find out how by accessing our free podcast series at www.theinfluencealliance.com forward slash podcast series. That's theinfluencealliance.com forward slash podcast series.